Thank you. It, it is great to be here, and uh, it's been so exciting to see the way this has developed. Uh, Vineyard, not just here, but the other locations as well. Uh, Flo and I live in rugby, and uh, we are proud to live in rugby, even though what happened yesterday was a real uh, shame to rugby. Um, but uh, it, it is a delight. It is a joy. I just want to share a couple of things that Hope is doing this year, and then we're going to turn uh, to God's Word. Um, this year, 2020, a number of church leaders' denominations recognizes a significant year of reaping. And uh, about three weeks ago, we brought together about 900 evangelists uh, at an event at the Bethel Center with a guy called Ravi Zacharias, Andy Hawthorne, Clyde, uh, Gav Calver, that was a bit of a Freudian slip, um, and myself and various others, just to commission those people into evangelism and mission, sensing that this was a significant year. And uh, there's a number of initiatives that are happening in 2020. So on your seat, there's a little prayer idea uh, that you could use that we are using as part of 2020. We are partnering with 24-7 this year because 24-7, which is a prayer movement, move into their 20th year in 2020. And so rather than just kind of do a boiler room or a prayer station in the church, we're encouraging them to take prayer into the community. So we're building something called Hope Spaces in Community Places. Did you like that? And, and what we're encouraging them to do is churches working together in villages, towns, and cities to take prayer into the community and take over a shop, maybe for a week, and just offer prayer ministry, prayer in the community. And it's really caught a bit of momentum. And a number of denominations are saying, we're going to do this. It's also going to be in 25 cathedrals next year, where a number of people attend cathedrals, but they don't always experience God. So we produced a little prayer card, a kind of initiative that goes alongside it, that they can just encounter God in the presence of that particular situation. So if you're interested in that, do connect on to Hope Together. But the prayer is really saying on the 20th day of each month during 2020, you pray at 2020 for 20 minutes. <laughs> so it's the 20th at 2020 for 20 minutes. And you will be part of thousands of networks and groups that are making that their prayer for a reaping, for a harvest, because we've invested so heavily, let's really see if we can do that. So that's just a, a bookmark to keep, uh, if a business card's more appropriate or whatever, just to see what that could be look, look like and what that could happen for you. It'd be fantastic if you were part of that and linked with that right across this network, as well as a number of other networks that are looking at that. Just before we turn to John 10.10, 10, I also want to tell you about an exciting initiative that is a partnership with the Entertainer Toy Shop. And uh, we partnered with them last year where we produced a Christmas magazine. Um, and in that Christmas magazine, it very simply just talks about stories of hope, 
Uh, it was a gift that if you went into the entertainer shop, a number of churches took it and gave it door to door, knocked on their houses in their community, invited them to a Christmas carol service. Christmas is our best moment of invitation. And uh, I remember one parish church where the vicar said, I want you to all visit every home in our parish, which is about 3,000 homes. And this one guy said, I've never knocked on anybody's door. I don't do door knocking. But we, they were encouraged to do it by the vicar. So the, every person in their street decided to knock the door with a magazine and then invite them to a Christmas carol service. So this guy had a cul-de-sac. So he carved out a couple of hours and he said, right, I'm going to knock the door of every home, leave this magazine, not this one, but one that we did last year, and just leave it as a gift and then invite them to a Christmas carol service. That is the best thing you could do. And that's what I would encourage you to do as invitational for Christmas. It would be fantastic. So he went to the first door and he said, I'm part of the parish church. Love to invite you to the Christmas carol service. And I'd love to leave you this magazine. And the person said, that's great. Why don't you come in? And he's like, this wasn't on the schedule. This is not what I was planning to do. I'm not coming in. But he went in. And the person said, so you're a Christian part of the church here. Yeah? Would you like a glass of wine? He thought, this is not so bad after all. So he had a glass of wine, talked about his faith, invited them to the Christmas carol service. He then knocked on the next door. Exactly the same thing happened. When he got to the fifth door, he thought he better not talk to anybody else because, uh, but this is something that we've done. So the entertainer toy shop took these magazines last year and gave them to people as they bought their Christmas presents for their children. This year, and it's also really interesting, if, I don't know whether there's an entertainer in rugby, but Gary Grant doesn't open on a Sunday. Who owns the entertainer? And so last year, you're probably aware that Christmas Eve was on a Sunday, which is the biggest retail day of shopping day of the year. But he said, no, I'm not going to open on a Sunday. And everybody said, you're crazy. That's your biggest retail. No, he said, I don't open on Sundays. And uh, he was telling me that they, they, they measure marketing on clicks. And he said, we normally have about 360 million clicks to our website or through social media or whatever. On the last Christmas, when they didn't open on a Sunday, they had 1.3 billion clicks because of the media around what he did and the impact of what he did. So this year, we are producing a little children's book called The Christmas Story that he's going to make available all of December. So every child that buys a toy either online or in the entertainer toy shop will be given the Christmas story as a gift to put in the toy they're going to get at Christmas. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a fantastic opportunity? And, and, it, and it just kind of... Uh, we've used, because he bought... Um, uh, the early learning center this year. And so we're using the Happy Land characters to tell the Christmas story. Now, if you don't know what the Happy Land characters are, it means you don't have children under the age of five. Um, 
But evidently, they're a bit of a brand. I'm not sure in the same league as Peppa Pig, but they're certainly a great brand and trend. And he's also offering a nativity around all of that to enable children to connect with the Christmas story. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that amazing that those things are happening in present day in today's climate in that way? And I'm really thrilled uh, that we've had a small part to play to enable that to happen. If it works well this year, then we will actually look at expanding that and growing that into next year to see what can be done around Christmas. And that's kind of where, where hope fits in. It's kind of what hope does. It's kind of what we think, mobilizing the whole church to serve its community in that way. If you have a Bible, why don't you uh, switch it on? Or uh, read in, in the text. Um, I'm still paper. How many people are paper? Three. <laughs> I feel like I'm a dying trend on paper. How many people are technology then? Yeah, the, the problem with technology is you say you're reading the Bible, but really, Facebook, Facebook exactly. Um, but uh, I, I just think, particularly devotionally, I love, I love to actually hold the text. And I think Bibles need to come back in in the paper. But anyway, that's a, uh, we'll just leave that to one side. Steve also told me, you can speak for as long as you like, but you've got to finish at quarter to 11. Uh, so uh, we will hit that target. I'm just going to read a few verses from 10, uh, John 10.10. 10, and I'm going to pick it up at verse 7. Jesus explains something to the uh, Pharisees and they haven't got it. So he then unpacks it a little bit more and says this. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Father, we pray that as we look at your word now, your spirit that is among us would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, look. Roy Crown, Central Vineyard. Um, the verse that I want to look at is, is this key verse, John 10.10. 10. And I want to unpack it in the sense of how does the enemy steal, kill, and destroy God's life from you in the present moment? Maybe you've never experienced God's life. I was privileged to speak at a men's event yesterday afternoon. And as I was speaking at this men's event, a guy came up to me at the end of the session and said, I'm in a pretty bad way. Now, as you've spoken and what you've said, I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And at that moment, he said, what do I need to do? I said, you need to very simply say a prayer. He said, why have I found that so difficult to do? And I said, the main reason is because we're proud people. 
We don't acknowledge that we need God. We don't acknowledge that we've messed up. And the enemy has had a field day in giving us a perception about following Jesus that is just not true. And he prayed, and as he prayed, it was a privilege for me to be with him and to see him there encounter forgiveness, be changed and set free in one prayer. And if you've never experienced that, this morning that can happen for you just by a prayer of confession and receiving uh, the life of God into you. So why does the enemy take away our life? How does the enemy do that? How does the enemy destroy God's life in the present moment for you? Well, we're going to look at three particular areas. We're going to look at issues of the past that affect the present or issues of the future that affect the present. So it's either stuff in your past that will destroy God's life from you in the present, steal, kill, and destroy, or stuff in the future that will actually take God's life from you. And the first thing in the past is either a sense of shame or guilt for something you've done that you cannot forgive yourself for. Or you just feel constantly guilty. Shame is an interesting term because we feel ashamed, but so many people don't feel ashamed of what they do. They feel ashamed of who they are. And shame has changed. It was fascinating. During the worship, there was a little boy at the front here, and he kicked his coffee cup over. And as he kicked it over, coffee spilled out. And I watched him in his strategy as to deal with this coffee stain that you may want to pick up on, Steve, because it's over there. Um, and what he did... What he did was, was, was amazing. So all of a sudden, he, he lifted the coffee cup up, but then he discovered that there was a stain and the coffee was there. So what he decided to do, because it's a vineyard church, was to dance a little bit <laughs> and move his foot forward onto the stain and just gently shuffle and move dealing with the guilt and shame to remove it. But his sister was next to him and had seen this. I'm assuming it was his sister. She decided to go to the toilet and pick up some tissue. He picked the cup up, moved it back. It was already removed. But now she put this dirty, great white tissue. So he's like, no, I have dealt with this. But now he's got enormous white tissue, so he encouraged her to put it in her pocket. <laughs> Isn't it fascinating what happens during worship? <laughs> Shame and guilt. And we try and cover it instead of deal with it. We, we, we try and cover it up instead of acknowledge it. We, we, we try and do it instead of confession. Confession, we, we find difficult to do. So shame or guilt will affect us. The second is, is anger. If you look at Ephesians, people are just angry. 
anger in the past. The Bible says don't let the anger go down. If you're angry, don't let it live in you. Because if it lives in you, actually it will destroy you. And the person you are angry with, even if they move on and they don't do anything, it will destroy you. And the final uh, piece that relates to the past, and just moving on, is forgiveness. In the end, when we start to understand that Jesus has forgiven us, we need also to forgive. Now, these are all massive subjects in and of themselves. But the enemy uses them to steal God's life from you in the present. The enemy can have a field day, and in the now moment, you lose God's life. Because the enemy of your soul and the life of God and the presence of God and the joy of the Spirit, the joy of what it means to know that you're forgiven and set free, can be destroyed by the enemy using these three issues. And it will destroy God's life from you in the present moment. Agreed? So, so we need to be able to live knowing that the past is dealt with because of what Jesus did on the cross. But it's not just the past. It's stuff about the future. Future stuff can destroy God's life in the present. So what is it about the future? Well, the first is worry. Worrying about the future will destroy God's life from you in the present. I saw a great quote. <laughs> and uh, this quote is all about worry, and it says this. Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. I thought, that's an interesting slogan. <laughs> worry. Luke 12 talks about worry, and it says, have you ever seen, I'd love to write a book, have you ever seen a sparrow worry? Because God says, why do you worry? Even the hairs on your head, which I'm encouraged by, are numbered. But worry is all-consuming. Worry has a really powerful effect. I travel an awful lot. I remember one particular time when I was uh, traveling back on the M6. And I was leaving about 12 from Liverpool. Should have been home about 2.30 in the morning. Around 12.30, 12.45, the M6 is shut. I'm like, and, and you know what you realize? Why are all these people traveling? You know, it should just be me. But these motorways are packed. So the motorway shut. And I'm sitting there thinking, how long am I going to sit here? We sat there an hour. I'm thinking, this is crazy. I'm now going to get, and I just want to get home. Unbeknown to me, my wife was at home, asleep. But at 2.30, she woke up. And she noticed that I wasn't there. Isn't that encouraging? When communication breaks down, imagination kicks in. 
And you imagine all sorts of things. So Flo thinks, I'm worried, he's dead. I'll now check the insurance. <laughs> and she goes through the process of what she's going to do, but she chooses not to ring me. Now, how crazy is that? But she chooses not to ring me. I get in at 3 o'clock in the morning, but as I pull in the drive, every light in the house is on. I'm thinking, what is going on? This is crazy. I walk into the kitchen and see my wife, thinking, isn't this lovely? She's up to greet me. <laughs> no, she's not. As I walk through the door, what are you doing? You should be dead. <laughs> the problem was I'd done nothing wrong. I was not, but imagination had kicked in and worry had consumed her to the point where it destroyed her peace and her presence that should have been a reality. You see, worry is all-consuming. And we have a generation now that worry about absolutely everything. And unless you've encountered the love of God and that love, transformative love, that so you're a son, you're a daughter, that's your identity. So the future could affect your present reality. The second to worry is anxiety. And anxiety is big. Um, anxiety is on the increase if you look at all the stats and, and what is happening with anxiety. And anxiety can affect us physically. It can affect our mental well-being. So how do you deal with anxiety? Well, isn't it great that the Bible speaks into these things? It says, don't be anxious, pray. So how do you remove anxiety? If, if it's worry... You need to trust God. And trust is an act. It's something you choose to do. Anxiety, you need to pray. If you are anxious, then pray. And the more anxiety you have, the more prayer you need. The more you need to name it specifically, focus on it, enable it to happen. Because anxiety will consume you and will steal God's life from you in this present moment. It will steal the life of God from you. Because the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy you living a fulfilled, free life. There's one final one relating to the future. And it's really simple. Fear. Just fear of the future. And fear is very real. It can cripple some people from doing anything. Fear of people. Fear of situations. Fear of circumstances. Fear of jobs, family, children. Fear. And it can consume you. How do you remove fear? Well, uh, the passage that I put up says, perfect love removes fear. If you know you are loved by God, it removes fear. 
it is so powerful that it will bring about that transformation. I used to work with Youth for Christ, as was said, and sometimes, because um, we had a lot of young staff, and sometimes they would fall in love, quote, unquote. And uh, I, this one particular couple had fallen in love, and, and I was aware of it. Everybody was aware of it. You could not be aware of it. They were all over each other like a rash. I mean, it was embarrassing. And uh, this particular day, I had a couch in my office, and they came in, and they sat down, and they wanted me to bless their marriage, which is great. And I love to do that if I think it's the right move and I give some wisdom. I've got an opportunity to speak into their lives. And uh, they're sitting on my couch. Now, they're both employed by me. And they're sitting there holding hands. I'm like, you shouldn't be doing this. But they are. And then they say, Roy, we're in love and we want to get married. I said, that's wonderful. That's great. Can I ask you a few questions? And those are good, legitimate questions to ask somebody who's in love. First question, where are you going to live? Isn't that a good question? They both looked at one another. And a good friend of mine says that when two people are in love, they're like two dying cows in a hayestorm. They looked at one another and said, I don't care. As long as I'm with you. And I went, oh, dear. <laughs> then I said a subsequent question and a third question. And the answer to all of them is it doesn't matter as long as I'm with you. And I went, oh, dear. But actually, it didn't matter. Because when you're in love, everything changes. When you know you're loved, when you experience the love of God in your heart, you can actually take on the world. When you know you're loved, you can step out in faith. When you know you've experienced the love of God, you've been baptized by Spirit, and you do stuff you never believed you would do. Because all of a sudden, it's not you, it's the love of God. And knowing you're loved, that's why when the Father said of Jesus, this is my beloved Son, to serve the father, he needed to know and experience the love because fear would creep in. It has the ability to do that. And the greater you step out, the greater the fear will come. And fear is not the absence of courage. It's the mastery of it. Knowing you're loved. So, oh, they've all gone. Um, they're back again. I want to ask you a question. What is taking God's life from you in the present moment this morning? What is it that the enemy is using to steal God's life from you so that you can't enjoy his fullness? Because let me tell you something. This Jesus... We'll deal with your past and take care of your future if you meet him in the present moment. And you meet him in the present moment 
So I need to ask you a question. If either of those categories, and we won't go with the final slide, um, if either of those categories are impacting you, then I want you to acknowledge it and allow God to minister to you this morning. Because you know what? I don't want the enemy to have a field day in your life where you lose the fullness of God. And I don't want him to steal, kill, and destroy because he's a good shepherd who lays down his life for you so that you can live free. Let's pray together. And I'm going to ask you very simply, as we take a moment It may be, as I've spoken, you're aware. Worry, anxiety, fear. For you, it's the stuff in the future that's stealing God's life from you in the present. Or maybe it's stuff in the past that just keeps coming back and back and back. Instead of acknowledging that Jesus has dealt with it, it's over. Don't keep revisiting it. So if God has spoken to you this morning and you just want to receive into those areas, I'd love you just to stand before we offer prayer ministry. But if God has spoken to you this morning, just stand to your feet and say, that is God's word to me today. And I need to respond at this moment. So Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're here. And thank you that you speak. And I pray right now for these people that are standing before you. That you would minister by your spirit. For some of them, they're big issues. And this is the start of the process. This is the start. But they've acknowledged it. And so, Father, by your spirit now, come and minister, we pray. As they make a choice.